welcome back to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do. This week, I'm off to a top-secret underground bunker in the middle of London, and George is helping us to do something with top-secret codes. My name's Bex, and every episode of Activity Quest starts with a fun kids presenter doing something awesome. This week, it's my turn! I'm off to a top-secret underground bunker, just around the corner from Buckingham Palace. Well, it used to be top-secret. Now it's known as the Churchill War Rooms. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. Hi, my name is Kate Clements, and I'm the curator of the Churchill War Rooms. We shall never surrender. Churchill Rooms are an amazing historic site here in the centre of London, right underneath Whitehall, right near um, Downing Street. And they are from the Second World War and they're where Churchill and his war cabinet met to keep them safe when the bombing was happening above ground. We're going to see some amazing things. So the rooms have basically been kind of preserved as they were. They're sort of frozen in time. So everything you're going to see is exactly as it was left at the end of the war. So you're going to see um, the room where Churchill held his meetings. You're going to see even his bedroom where and the bed that he stepped on. So this room that we're in, it's the War Cabinet Room. So this is really the whole reason the site was set up. It's so that the War Cabinet could meet securely and safely and in secret. Um, so the War Cabinet were the most important people during the war who would be meeting regularly, pretty much on a daily basis, um, chaired first by Neville Chamberlain, who was the first Prime Minister in the war. And then obviously Winston Churchill took over in May 1940. And when he did so, he came down to this room and he said, this is the room from which I will direct the war. So we know that he sort of approved of this as the as the room that he would hold these important meetings in and the atmosphere at the time it would have been tense it would have been these are dark times so um, 1940 britain's really coming under threat um they're, they're having to sort of stave off german attack and later obviously the blitz happens so that's even more attack on britain and it's looking really dark for them so some really tense meetings happened in this room and we know that some tough decisions were made um, and as you can see the configuration of the room is set up so that that central seat there if you can see the wooden seat that's Churchill's chair um, and everyone else is sort of set around um, uh, around next to him so you'd have had his deputy prime minister next to him you'd have had the home secretary here you'd have had various sort of high up ministers in government and the three chairs opposite him those I mean that's quite quite um, close to him really and he could get in the faces of those three men who sat there I don't I feel quite sorry for them they were the chiefs of staff they are the heads of the army the navy and the royal air force so Churchill would be able to sort of get in their face probably poke his finger in their face and sort of ask them some tough questions they'd have a tough job trying to sort of argue back against Churchill and his myriad of ideas and schemes that he had and, and things that he wanted them to do and one good thing we can have a look at that chair is you can see it's Churchill because he's literally left his mark behind Oh my goodness, what kind of mark? <laughs> so, I will move it very carefully. So, as you can see, um, actually the seat of it is missing at the moment because we're, we're cons- um, it's in conservation um, because it is so old and it is original. But if you can see on the arms here, there are these marks on either side. So that side there is where he would rub his fingernails in and you can see the grooves, the indentations really still can, on the arm. Yeah. And this is, he wore a gold signet ring and he would rub the ring up and down in agitation. So I think these marks here, these physical remain reminders of what happened in this room are really, really clear, aren't they? You can get a sense of what that atmosphere was, would have been like for the poor people sat around this table having to answer the angry, agitated man in this chair.
So this here is an original weatherboard, um, and we've got photographs of one of the men who worked here at the time um, called George Rance, actually changing these boards in here. I won't do it now because we sort of leave it as it is, but basically he could change um, what the text says to, to give a sense of what the weather was like above ground, because as I was saying, people will work here long hours. Um, we're down downstairs, there's no natural light coming in, so you don't know what's going on above ground. So this would have been put here to let people know what the, the conditions were like when they were going to leave. If you've worked like a 12-hour shift and it was sunny when you started, it might actually be raining when you leave. Um, they also had a quite um, funny thing where they put one of the conditions was windy and that was sort of a, a 1940s slang term for um, there was bombing going on because things were getting a bit windy above ground. So that was one of the things they used to let people know. A bit of, bit of a dark humour there going on. Um, but it was, yeah, it's an original thing which is still here. Well, I think, uh, I think we're very lucky that it says fine and warm it today. Does. <laughs> it does match the conditions today. <laughs> this room... Yeah, I mean... Right, so we've walked into this map room now, and there's, there's like, like a dozen old-school telephones here as well. Uh, it smells kind of of old books. There's a few mannequins who are genuinely terrifying to me. Um, and there's a, a mannequin who looks like he is sorting stuff out on a massive world map on the wall uh, what is going on in this room so here we are in the map room uh, as you can see covered in maps and this was really the beating heart of the Churchill War Rooms this was in operation 24-7 throughout the entire war so it first started operation a few days before war broke out so in August 1939 they got it up and running it was all set up and then war was declared and it, it started out and it didn't stop working so it's over 2,000 continuous days uh, of people being down here um, working on on the maps and they'd, they'd have the, a sort of a shift rotation so that there were always four or five sort of officers working here map room officers and they they sort of work on shift patterns so there was always someone here and they would be keeping um, the situation constantly up to, up to date so all the information you can see would come through and they would update the maps accordingly and as you pointed out these very old looking telephones here um, down the center of the table um, they would be getting information from various different HQs so that might be the army HQ the RAF. Um, they've also got a direct line to the Prime Minister's office um, and sort of various different HQs ar around the country where information be coming in and they'd be able to update the maps and plop it, plot it on there. You can also see these weird sort of tubes in, in the room here. There's a couple of places where these tubes are coming down. They were sort of pneumatic tubes and they would be able to deliver messages very quickly through this sort of suction system and that they drop down into the basket and they get the information out. So where the tubes go, we're not too sure because it's sort of all changed, the site's changed, and we don't actually know where the, the tubes start and where they finish, but we know that they've, we've got these remnants here, so they'd have had information coming in in that way. And also, just good old-fashioned paper, notes would have come in with information as well. And so some of the men you can see here, um, sort of signified by the mannequins, um, we've got an army, uh, a Royal Air Force, and a naval officer as well, um, and that's sort of representing who would have been here. And yeah, it, it was just constantly up to date. We've got the map of the world there, on which they'd map a lot of the convoys which we'll have to go and look over there because there's so many pinholes on that map for all the convoys and um, we've got a map of um, sort of east asia and the pacific over here and where we came in there was an actual sort of vestibule there so there was another wall with a very very large map of eastern europe which is now we've put over into a sort of annex room around the corner but that would have been there and there's another map over there i think of europe so yeah you would have really been surrounded by maps of the world and you'd really got a sense of this was a world war that was 
going on. It wasn't just affecting Britain. Britain obviously had forces across the world and had its empire at the time. So it was thinking about all that was going on um, across the world globally. So, welcome to Churchill's bedroom slash office. So this was his room on site where he could come and work and he could come and sleep. Um, and as you can see, it's, I mean, it's not particularly luxurious, but compared to the other rooms on site, it really is. Because if you look down, there's actual carpet. So this was a really, you know, a status symbol here in the war rooms. Not everyone had carpet and certainly not wall-to-wall carpet like Churchill had. Um, and he, But you can also see, if you look down, this little pot here, um, which Churchill nicknamed the Gazonda because it goes under the bed. Okay. And that was a chamber pot because there weren't flushing toilets on site. So it wasn't really up to Churchill's exacting standards of luxury. Um, so he didn't love to stay here, but he did when he had to. So we know that he slept here in this room on three occasions because the bombing above ground was so bad. The first time he did so was the 16th of September 1940, when the Blitz was only about a week old, but the bombing was so bad above ground. Not only did they hold their first war cabinet meeting down here, but he also slept here afterwards. Um, he, you can also notice that there was the desk here so yeah he did come and work here quite often he also made quite a few speeches from here so there's a little microphone on the desk there a bbc microphone so we know that he made four speeches from this room so live radio broadcasts which at the time they were a really big deal because they didn't have tv yeah. radio was it and a radio address by churchill during the war was something everyone gathered around to listen to and we know that he made a speech here for example um the day after the the attack on pearl harbor by japan so that's what brought the usa into the war so he made a quite um, famous speech here at that time. As soon as I heard last night that Japan had attacked the United States, uh, my first feeling was that Parliament should be immediately summoned. Aside from the fact it's got a bed in it, it's quite a working space, isn't it? Because, again, there's more maps all over the shop. There are indeed maps. Churchill did love his maps. He even had a mobile map room. Um, and he had sort of a, a map officer who was in charge of his maps. So, yeah, he, he was really keen on them. But the ones you'll notice in here, there are even some curtains, aren't there, in front of them? Yeah. And that was so, if someone came in who didn't actually have clearance to look at what was ever on the map... They could close the curtains so that they wouldn't see that information. So even here in this secret site, there were still secrets being kept. And just out of interest, like how close are we to 10 Downing Street? Like how would he have got here? Would he have come underground somehow, walked around? Well, I don't know for certain, but I think there probably would have been an underground passage to 10 Downing Street. We've never found that, never seen it, but I think it's likely because we know there were some sort of tunnels and passages here under Whitehall. Um, so I think it's possible. But otherwise, no, he would have he would have walked here overground. Um, he also had really above us, he had a suite of rooms which was called the um, the number 10 annex. So that was where he and his wife um, basically lived during a lot of the war. They didn't really live in Downing Street. They had a sort of suite of rooms on the, the building which overlooks St. James's Park above us. Um, and he, he would be seen there and, and go in there quite often. And it was quite easy for him then to come downstairs here. I just can't believe I've seen Winston Churchill's bedroom. <laughs> so, 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 okay, great. <laughs> I had the best time there. And if you want to find out more, just search for Churchill War Rooms to find out about it. Now, something World War II was famous for was its secret codes. Do you fancy making our own? Today, we're diving into history with a Churchill War Rooms-inspired project. So, let's get started. Close your eyes and imagine being in the Churchill War Rooms, surrounded by history and secrets. Shh! 
I'm so excited because today we're going to create our very own secret spy code. First of all, you'll need to find a quiet spot and sit down with your friend or family member. Then brainstorm together and come up with a list of secret messages or jokes that only you two will understand. These could be simple phrases or codes, but make sure no one else can hear. It's time to create your code, assign a symbol, number or drawing to each secret message on your list. Be as creative as you like. Share your secret code of your friend or family member, but don't reveal what each symbol or drawing means. You can then use your code to send hidden messages to each other. It's like your secret agents communicating in the Churchill War Rooms. Decode each other's messages and share some laughs as you unravel the secrets. Thanks, Georgia. And just like that, we are done. Remember, there's loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to at any time. If you want some more suggestions of stuff to do, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. It was produced and edited by Adam Stoner. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you soon.